Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Weekly Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my cousin Austin. I'm Tyler, and it's kind of bittersweet that we're halfway through football season already. I know it's it's, this it's is gone a, quick. This is a tough time of year. Like, I, I love football season, and especially when the weather's getting to where it is right now, where it's it's kind of chilly outside. You need a hoodie. Oh man, I love it and. Yeah, no, it's 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 sad because it means football seasons we're we're on the downturn. Yep. Yeah, it's and with especially with BYU season this year, as far as the bye week being so late, like we've been spoiled with football every single weekend. Uh huh. And we have another four weeks straight of football uh-huh. until we get to our bye week. Uh, but as far as BYU goes, I mean they're they're kind of where where we predicted them to be at. Their preseason, <laughs> it's just we don't feel as good being here, walk, actually watching the games now. No, right, absolutely. I mean, you think about that Oregon game. We expected him to lose. We just didn't expect him to lose in that way. Right. And then you think about this Notre Dame game last week, and he, we technically called a loss. But I walked into that week. I walked into last week feeling pretty confident. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, it's it's kind of frustrating just because I think Notre Dame and Arkansas have had opposite seasons of what I had expected. Uh-huh. And so. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the games that we won in between those two games, sure, we won Wyoming by 14 points and Utah State by 12 points. But still, those aren't the way you thought we were going to win, especially watching how the games played out. Right. Like, those Those were games where BYU was favored by 21 and 24 points. Mm-hmm. And so escaping with 14 and 12 point wins, I guess if you look back on it, it's it's two touchdown wins, but it doesn't feel that way when yeah. you actually watch the game. Well, especially because, I mean, I think Wyoming is better than we expected, but Utah State is so much worse than we expected. Hey, they and beat so, Air Force, that, I, which we, is a shock. <laughs> I don't I don't get what's going on in the Mountain West. I really don't. Air Force came out looking so strong, then I feel like that loss to Wyoming just derailed them. Uh huh. And then, I mean, maybe Utah State's gonna figure it out. Was it Cooper Lega playing again? I believe so. Hey, I think he's your future. Tell Bonner, hey, thanks, but no thanks. We're gonna move on to this guy that we're gonna have next year. We can at least get him reps this this season. Sure. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of BYU's opponents in the BYU game, there were some good games in college football. Unfortunately. Kansas' season is no longer undefeated. I know, it's sad. Uh, they lost to TCU. But, I mean, it was it was a ranked matchup, which yeah. Kansas hasn't played in since 2009. Well, and game uh, day was in was in Lawrence. Yeah. The place was crazy. Yeah. And, then, I mean, they lost to, in a good game. It was 38-31 to 31, TCU. Yeah. But, but because of the way the game played out and who lost and who won, Kansas didn't even move in the rankings. They're still number 19. Right, which is absolutely. pretty cool for I them. Mean, they were expected to lose technically if you look at the if you look at the spread on the game. And you know, I, I honestly think if Jalen Daniels stays healthy, there's just a couple moves that their backup quarterback Bean had made that like I mean he just he, he just made a couple dumb mistakes, uh, a couple of close picks and it was just like, well, I mean, I can't I, I can't fault him for for wanting to come in and make a play, especially cuz he was your starter <clears throat> last year at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I think I think if Jalen Daniels stays healthy, they probably win that game. But overall, yeah, I mean, they still they. It was weird watching the Kansas game and being like, "Wow, these guys 
look good. Yeah. And I texted you before the game started, and it was like, Kansas and TCU were playing. Both the teams were ranked. Iowa State and Kansas State were playing. Kansas State was ranked. Oklahoma State and Texas Tech were playing. Oklahoma State's ranked. Texas and OU played, and neither team was ranked. Right. When's the last time that happened? Oh, I know. That's it, that's crazy. I mean, they've, they've just had kind of weird seasons and just happened to meet up in the... And I mean, that game, 49 to nothing, Texas. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Oh, and I can't remember what it was. I think this is the worst loss that Oklahoma had ever had in that game, and... And it's just, it's, you know, I think, I, I do think that Texas' quarterback, um, Quinn Ewers, I think he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a natural confidence with the team when he's out there. But that being said, it's not like Hudson Card was a was a, a, a slouch. And so I got to think that this game goes similarly, even if it is Hudson Card playing, because OU just does not look good. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and that game was in Norman as well. No, it, they they play it in the in the Cotton Bowl, in oh, the old Cotton they? Bowl. Okay. Yeah, it's over the the Texas State Fair. Okay. And so it's always that it's always the same weekend as the Texas State Fair. Okay. And that's why it's split right down the middle. Gotcha. Of Texas and OU. Okay, they listed Tex- or Oklahoma as the home game, so I. Yeah, it might count as an Oklahoma home game, just like it'll be like a Texas home game next year. Right. Okay. But. It's, it's always put in the old Cotton Bowl. Gotcha. That makes sense. Either way, them losing 49 to nothing, and then they're still a 10-point favorite with Texas or Kansas coming in this week. Yeah. I I don't know. if I understand it's OU, and I understand it's te- Kansas, but I don't know how you're still a 10-point favorite after you take that loss. I don't Texas. know. I, you know, Dylan Gabriel didn't play. That being said, even if he had played, I, I'm, I was never really impressed with Dylan Gabriel, even when he was at UCF. But, and, and I think, I think Venables, uh, I like Venables as a DC. I don't like him as a head coach. I think he has great defenses, but Oklahoma's, they've never really been known for their defense. Right. I mean, their last two Heisman Trophy winners were Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and they were anything but defense. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I really, I hope that Kansas can do it. It'd be fun to see him knock off. It would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. But. Uh, you know, some other games. South Carolina knocked off Kentucky. I don't know what Kentucky dropped to, but they lost to Florida and now South Carolina. Maybe a little bit overhyped. Maybe is Will Levis still playing at quarterback? Like, is he hurt or is he still playing? Because I mean, as far as I know, he was playing. He's one of the top quarterbacks as far as like draft talk goes. It's it's kind of C.J. Stroud and then Bryce Young and him. So. I don't know if like he's just not living up to the expectation or what's happening there, but their offense seems to have been struggling a little bit against some SEC teams. Um, yeah, it looks like Will Levis might have been might have been injured. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if he was injured in that game. No, it looks like they were preparing to start um, their backup. So. Gotcha. And I don't know when that injury would have happened, but he's on track to play this week. But. Okay. Yeah, well, that's another game. Alabama-Texas A&M. I mean, that game's probably a lot closer than it should have been when you look at the way Texas A&M has played some teams. And oh, yeah. Well, if Texas A&M, I, I don't know if you caught the end of that game. I didn't realize that Jimbo Fisher's the one calling all the plays, right? He's he's basically the OC. Yeah. His, his play calling, especially at the end of the game, was awful. I mean... The the play that they drew up, it felt like something BYU would run, as far as 
instead of so they've got from what I understand they've got somewhat of a dual threat quarterback and instead of dropping back and like rolling or like rolling him out they did a straight drop back and you're going against four and five star corners at mm-hmm. Alabama right and what he did was like it was just a comeback route right at the pylon and the the Alabama DB was just sitting there waiting for it and so he like has like the the quarterback has to pump fake, realizes I can't throw it there. Oh no! Here's a defensive tackle in my face. I have to throw it there, and it just gets knocked down and and the game's over. And it was it was one of those things where it's like, how are you not doing like an RPO rollout here? Like let your quarterback make the decision. Yeah, I and mean, it's the same thing that BYU's done as far as some of the late game decisions. And it's just like, really, this is what we're deciding to run right now okay cool that's that's fine <laughs> yeah well i mean that it just kind of goes to show what we've talked about previously there's no clear-cut number one team right. right now and i know georgia was voted as the top team this week you and i think it should be ohio state mm-hmm. because of georgia's recent play as well but that's nor here nor there but utah also lost to ucla uh, and who would have known that both UCLA and USC are both undefeated up to this point? Oh, I know. And what's so great is all the Utah fans that are crying right now. Because, I mean, the biggest thing is you got to imagine those guys win out as far as even if USC picks up a loss against Utah and then they beat UCLA, I mean, what, you've got a, a, a three-way tie? If, you, if Utah wins out and then USC and UCLA win out and then, I don't know, like it's... It's it's really interesting the way that that could work out. I know USC is supposed to be playing in Utah this week, right? Mm-hmm. So that'll be an interesting game. And but UCLA in that game, they just they they dominated them. Yeah, quite honestly. Did. I mean, they Dorian Thompson Robinson he did a good job of of mitigating mistakes, and the guy can play. I mean, I, I remember watching him as a freshman and thinking, yeah, he's he's pretty good, but prone to mistakes he's really matured yeah and i i was watching the game on my phone whenever we were walking into the stadium yeah and so many byu fans were too absolutely it was, it was so funny how you many got, people were you gotta hate on watch game. you gotta hate and, watch i mean it really wasn't as close even what the score said because the score was 42 32 but i mean with halfway through the fourth quarter it's 42 to 24 mm-hmm. and utah just kind of scored a, a garbage time touchdown yeah it's it, it was really nice to see well, it's, it's it's so funny. You watch that game. All UCLA did was say, "All right, Cam Rising, you have to beat us. Yeah. We're 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 gonna stop the Utah run game, which has always been their bread and butter. Cam Rising, you now have to beat us." Yeah, and which I mean, he did throw for 287 yards. Yeah, still not throwing for 300 yards. He's only done that once in his career. Uh, just gotta throw that in there. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> he he didn't throw a touchdown. Right, and he threw one pick. I know. I. That's basically how you beat Utah, is make him win the game. Right. And he's not going to do it. Uh, well, in Utah, they still got to go through a couple of tough, tough opponents. They've got USC this week. I mean, neither of the Arizona schools give you any trouble. Colorado's not going to give you any trouble. But you got to play at Oregon. Mm-hmm. And Oregon has looked Oregon's, really good compared Oregon to what we thought has, they were going to be. Yeah, Oregon has progressed. Like, they've, they've had a, a constant, like... Um, I don't know what the right word is. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of here. They 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 have just they've been 
steadily increase. Like I, I can't think of the right word. Oh my goodness! But they've they've been getting better every week. Uh-huh. At, at, you they've know, been trending and, in the right direction. Sure. sure. I mean, no, I, that's, I, that's not exactly what I was trying to say, but right. like, but I mean, they've they've seen exponential growth. That that it's gotten better and better over each game. Uh huh. Um, and I still don't think Bonix is the answer, but you just need enough of a game manager for Oregon, and they they have enough athletes that they'll beat you. Right. And but anyway, I mean Utah Utah has some tough sledding, and I love the fact that. They went from, oh, these are these guys are the favorites. Could they break into the playoff? To now, it's like, well, maybe they could make a Rose Bowl appearance. <laughs> maybe. And yeah. that's, I, I would love nothing more than if they lost to USC, and then, I mean, I don't expect them to lose because they play Washington State, Arizona, and Stanford. I don't expect them to lose any of those games. But if they lost to USC and then they lost to Oregon. And it's basically like we're not fighting for a New Year's Six Bowl. We were kind of just stuck in whatever bowl we're going to get. Right. And then they just lay an egg at Colorado with the final week of the season. Oh, it'd be, it'd be wonderful. It would be so funny. But I don't I, see that happening just because of how bad Colorado oh, is. Oh, yeah, they're 0-5. But. It's so funny because you, you look at the bottom two ranked teams. Although I don't know what Colorado State did this week, but the bottom two oh. ranked overall teams were Colorado and Colorado State. Oh, Colorado State is awful. <laughs> It's bad when Sacramento State comes into town, into Fort Collins, and is favored against you, mm-hmm. and then kicks the crap out of you. Like, I think it was like 41 to 10 or something like that. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, but, all right, going over some BYU future opponents. I mean, this week they're taking on Arkansas. Arkansas lost again to Mississippi State 40 to 17. They didn't have K.J. Jefferson in that game. He got injured against Alabama, so they had their backup quarterback in. Know nothing about his backup quarterback, mm-hmm. but it seems like K.J. Jefferson is going to play this week. But they've gone through that tough stretch of at Texas A&M, home against Bama, at Mississippi State. Now they got to travel across the country to Provo. That's just rough for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, they've had a, they've had a rough stretch recently, and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, later on in the show. But yeah. But, yeah, I think it's it's been – it's been rough sledding for them, and they have not stood up to the test, quite honestly. No. And and you know it's it's kind of sad because you you look at their team, and I like their coach. I, I like I like that they're an SEC team that's not a perennial powerhouse that was looking to break in. Um, but that being said, you play enough of those teams, and it, it can get rough. Yep. Uh, so Liberty, they won forty-two to twenty-four against UMass. I don't know if you saw UMass was leading that game for a while. Were they? Yeah, I saw they were up. I think they were they were up seven nothing, and then Liberty scored, and then I think they got up fourteen seven, and I was hmm. just like, okay, okay, these guys up here, this is awesome. Throwback then, to twenty seventeen. No, <laughs> we're not going to go into that, but. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it was cool to see, see UMass play well. But that being said, I mean, Liberty. Yeah. Liberty ended up winning. Eventually, you figured it out. Yeah. And they are now five and one. Their only loss was to oh, who was it? It was a close game. They lost by two points, I think. It was a, I'm pretty sure it was a Power Five team. But Liberty is looking like a tougher game than most people would have thought. 
I feel like, especially now we know that that game is going to be played at 3.30 Eastern time. Yep. Um, so, got to love that as a BYU fan. Wake Forest. They Wake lost, Forest. They lost, they lost by one to Wake Forest. Lost by one, yeah. So, that game, probably going to be a lot tougher than a lot of BYU fans would have expected. Looking a little scarier right now. No kidding. Um, moving along, Tulane beat East Carolina 24-9. to At least we know that East Carolina still stinks. Doesn't mean the game's not going to be close in Provo, but... We know that they, they, they should be pretty bad when well, they're coming that's, into that game. What is that? That's like a 6 o'clock Friday night game in Provo? Yeah. Okay. Another weird time. I don't know why the game's on Friday night. I tell you what, I actually I don't mind those Friday night games because then I get all of Saturday to just sit in front of the TV and watch college football. Yeah. But it is it, it was kind of an odd, we're just going to choose this day like to, to play the game. Like, a little odd. I just have to leave work early. That's the only complication. But uh, yeah, your, Boise, your boss will figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> Boise State they won forty to twenty against Fresno State. Which Fresno State they're not the same without Jay Kaner. Yeah, and then Boise State they look they're looking completely different without Hank Bachmeyer. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's another game that we thought as the season was progressing that might not be as bad, and now we're looking at it like maybe now we're it's trending be back upwards. Yeah. Yep, Utah Tech, our our Trailblazers didn't play. And then oh. uh, Oregon State, I don't know if you lost this game. Oregon State beat Stanford 28-27, to and they basically had like a Minneapolis miracle for Oregon State. It was oh, awesome. Oh, I heard about it. I didn't see the end. I, I didn't see it, but I did hear about yeah, it. Yeah, no, Stanford took the lead late. Yeah. And then Oregon State on the final drive, they, the dude caught a pass and the defender missed him, kind of like the Minneapolis miracle, and they scored. And they, I think it was like with 16 seconds left or something like that. Which, fun fact about the Minneapolis miracle, the safety that missed it, that missed uh, Stefan Diggs, huh. went to Utah. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, so that game Has was, nothing to do with anything other no, than the fact that I anything. hate Utah. But yeah, that game was Thursday night or Friday night? Because I remember we, were, we watched it in Vegas. Okay. And it was crazy the way that it ended. Yeah, I'll have to go look at it because I didn't. I I had heard something crazy had happened, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't actually see it. Yeah. So Stanford, hoping that they lose out the entire season just to get a Walker Lions and possibly a Hunter Clegg flip. Uh, hey, you never know. Yeah, I, I mean Hunter Clegg is going to be at the game this weekend. Oh really? So, yeah. So even though he's committed, BYU is still trying to get him. They're, yeah. they're trying to get the flip. Well, absolutely. I See, mean, you got to keep pursuing these guys. You can't just be like, ah, oh, well, they made the commitment. Oh, yeah. They're not going to break that. And it's like, well, BYU, you've had enough people break commitments for you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can help someone break a commitment. Yeah. Like to, I feel like Clegg is probably more locked than Walker Lyons is. Well, it's because he wants to go for computer science, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a huge plus if you're going to go to Stanford. Right. That's the only reason I think it's more of a lock. Lions, I mean, maybe he doesn't do it before his mission, which he got his mission call, by the way. He's going to where's he going? Norway, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Don't see the sun very often. Maybe, yeah. maybe you'll get depressed and be like, it's because I'm going to Stanford. <laughs> That's it. I'm just kidding. That's it. But, yeah, BYU also played a game this week against Notre Dame. Game that, hindsight, BYU probably should have never played, never should have agreed to how it worked out. I stand by that. Um, I stand by that. The, the way the way that whole thing worked out and giving up the home game that you had them roped into so they could be like, oh, but let's sell you on our Shamrock series. And it's just like, come 
on. Well, what I don't... So in the contract that they originally signed back in like 2010 or 11, whenever that was, mm-hmm. is there no, like, you need to play the game by this date? Like, in Provo? Because I know they, they played the first two in South Bend in 2012 and 13. And then... I don't want to talk about 2012. No, Notre Dame basically just avoided scheduling the game for nine years. So yeah, is, there I, just, I, is there just no nothing saying you have to schedule it by this date? Well, and it's just open-ended? Notre Dame's always been really squirrely, um, especially with BYU. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it was a, you know, we have to, like, you know, by 2035 we have to get it played. You know, like something way out there. And BYU just kept trying and trying and trying. And eventually you get accepted to the Big 12 and it's just like, well... We can get out of this contract because we have the wording in it, but you can't. Uh-huh. So, let's, but, but BYU wanted to get the game played because yeah. before they go to the Big 12, like they were like, well, we want to schedule an FCS. We want to schedule another P5, and we want to schedule a G5. And and I guess you guys could work as that P5, but if you guys are never going to come here, like how are we going to figure this out? And so... Yeah, I don't know if there was if there was any deadline wording in there. I just I I still disagree with the decision BYU made. Yeah, and and it's so funny because and especially because you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, now everyone's just like, I knew we should have played this in Provo, but well, they should have never played the game before before the game was played. They should have never played the game. Right, they should have never agreed to the terms. And what's funny to me is the more I think about this game being played the more I think about the reasoning of why Notre Dame wouldn't come to Provo. Because, I mean, like, you ask my dad, and he's just like, the last time they came to Provo, they lost. They don't want to do it again. Yeah, they're scared. And when I think about it, I'm like, I don't think it's the travel thing because they have no problem traveling to USC or Stanford or Cal. Right. Like, no problem going to California. So why wouldn't you come to Provo? I don't don't get it. But it was funny because going into the stadium – I, I told, like, the people that we were with, like, Quentin, Justin, my friends, that this was a Notre Dame home game. Like, it's this is not a neutral site game. This is a, right. this is a true home this game. This was included as, as, as a home game in their season tickets. And as soon as you walk in, it is a Notre Dame home game. Like, not just fan-wise, but, like, the field has Notre Dame fighting Irish in the end zone. All of the between-play stuff that's being played and pre-game stuff that's being played, Notre all stuff. Notre Dame. Yep. Like, and they were just like, I didn't. I knew you said it was a home game, but I didn't think it was going to be like this. I'm like, no, this is basically a game that is in South Bend being, being played in Vegas. Yep. Which is just a load of crap for how it worked out for BYU. Yeah. That's what, I, I just I completely disagree with Tom Homo. I fully understand wanting to play Notre Dame, but the how it played out. Yeah, it, the, it the, you, the you gave them, it was a two and one, and you gave them three home games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if this game would have worked out where it was a true 50-50 neutral site, I'd be more open to it. Sure, absolutely. But the fact that, I mean, going into the game and just seeing how it worked out, especially being there, it kind of confirmed it. Like, I would have just rather not play this game and schedule right. anybody else. <laughs> yep. Um, and the outcome of the game has nothing to do with that. I mean, BYU did lose 28-20. to um, But it was... I mean, it was a fun game to be at. Like, don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed the trip, especially, like, the things we did while we were in Vegas as well. Sure. But uh, it was it was definitely a disappointing game, and a lot of the same things that had been repeating throughout the past few games, like slow starts, missed assignments, missed tackles, all basically BYU not being 
outclassed by Notre Dame by any means. I don't think it was just a lot of shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And that's just kind of the story of how BYU's been for the past month, basically. Yeah, it's it's just been it's 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 been really weird the past few weeks as far as I just feel like we're so out of sync. And this team, if we're in sync, we were talking about this before the show. I mean, if we're in sync, we are a top twenty-five team, easily. But being so out of sync with like. I feel like just in this game, Jaron wasn't on the same page as, as a lot of his receivers. Him and Cody Epps really hooked hooked up really well, but other than that, it was just it was kind of odd. Um, the offensive line pass protection sucked, uh, yeah, and which is crazy because it's been it's the opposite of what's been going on all year. Well, what's funny is like the run blocking honestly wasn't too bad in this game. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> and I think Chris Brooks is finally figuring out how to run behind this line mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we may not get the push that he's expecting, but we're gonna hold up these guys long enough that you can you can fly through a hole. And so, I mean, I think I think Chris Brooks figured out some way to run. Um, but yeah, I just I I'm I'm really kind of at a loss for how out of sync we seem to be. Yeah, and. I, I, we should just probably speak on the offense and go through each phase of the game first since we're talking about the offense. Jaron was probably hurt going into this game. I understand sure. he said he was healthy, but I feel like any player is going to say that. Right. Like they, They're competitors. They want to play in the game. I get it. But something seemed off, go, just even from the first throw. It's very off-platform, throwing off his back foot. He just throws that pick the first first throw of the game. And from then on, it just seemed, until the second half where things started to really open up for BYU, it just seemed like he was off, the offense was totally off. I mean, and a lot of that I think is on Jaron and the receivers, but it's also on like the play calling as well. Just at times, A-Rod can call perfect plays for a moment, but others, and I think specifically on like third down, fourth down, his play calling is fairly poor in those situations and I've I've actually gone through it and so on third down on the season uh, he is BYU's offense is at 42% which is 54th in the country and on fourth down they're at 36% which is tied for 110th in the country Um, I I just I don't know what it is about Aaron that he kind of maybe just overthinks the plays a little bit in those scenarios, I mean, they're at a combined 41% for on third and fourth down on the on the season. And I think that's a, what has been killing BYU in a lot of these games. And Baylor's the one game where they were terrible on third down, but they were able to escape it anyway. Yeah. And I think it's just so frustrating to me because I watch BYU basically sometimes wasted down on first down. And then you're setting yourself up for third and long. And mm-hmm. at that point... I just don't think that A-Rod has been really good at calling a play on, on third and long. And for some reason, the one, the one that comes to mind in this game was that third and 17 that they handed it to Lopini. Yeah, that worked out. And so. they ended up getting the first down somehow. I was I was shocked. Um, but I, I this might seem like somewhat of a hot take, but I think A-Rod is an amazing play designer and everything. But in the moment... 
he might not be as good an offensive coordinator as most people think he is, and most people, Dang. BYU fans, think he is. That's interesting. I, I, I just look at it's a it's a common trend throughout the season, and as an offensive coordinator, last year was his first true season as a coordinator, um, but then watching this year, it, it's been a common trend to me that in certain moments he is bad at calling up plays. And, I mean, watching the offense in that – was it the Utah State – yeah, the Utah State game where they basically just stalled out after the first two plays the entire first half, had nothing going. And then watching this game and on certain downs, like like specifically third down and then fourth downs, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't no, think I... the play calling is that great. And so I, th- I think that – I'm not saying he shouldn't be the offensive coordinator, but as of right now, he might be a better play designer than he is an in-game play caller. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do see your point. I I do still like A-Rod. I think, oh, I do too. I, think, is... I, I do think he is the right guy. The The biggest problem I have is I think he's... I think he's... I think it goes back to being in sync, right? I think he's out of sync with, with what the team can do quite honestly and and I think he's he's one of those guys that it's his way or the highway and he's not willing to deviate from his play calling until halftime because you see him make great adjustments at halftime he really does Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's a lack of communication with what the guys in the booth are seeing versus what the guys on the ground are seeing uh but it, it's it's not until the second half that we can't that we can figure it out. And in a game like Notre Dame, the second half is too late. And in a game like Oregon, the second half, like the fourth quarter, is too late. Mm-hmm. In a game, you know, in a game like Utah State and Wyoming, you're fine because these guys haven't beat you in the first half. But in a game like this week against Arkansas. I could see us uh, coming out and and end up losing by. I I could see us having an Oregon like game where it's like, well, we couldn't figure it out in the first half, so I guess we're just gonna wait until halftime and then we'll make the changes. And it's like, why? What's going on? What? Why is there so? Why is there so much disparity in the in the way way we're playing? And I mean, I I don't know this for sure. I imagine when I was looking at the stats, this has got to be Jaron's worst game of the season. Yeah. Uh, against Notre Dame, I think he was nine of seventeen for less than two hundred yards, mm-hmm. um, and I think so I want to say it was like one hundred and forty-two yards, one hundred twenty yards, and a hundred of those were Cody Epps. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else, Gunner had one catch for eight yards. Isaac Rex had one catch for six yards. Keanu Hill one one catch for five yards. Uh, Peeney one catch for three yards and Cosper one catch for negative two yards. Like this was this was a game that like it seemed like only Cody showed up to play. Um, we had both Puka and Gunner back. Neither of them looked good. Puka had that one where he kind of had to dive for it, but it's a catch he's made many times before. I wouldn't say it was a necessarily difficult catch. It hit him right in the stomach he should have caught it but right when he hit the ground he dropped the ball and i don't i don't know what's what was going on with them i will say 
the one thing about Puka, if he doesn't have the season we expected, maybe we get him back next year, which is great. That's something I was thinking about. Which is great. Yeah. Um, Gunner's gone because I think he's a senior. Yeah. And at this point, when you've dealt with this many injuries, you got to just hang it up. Either go like go go try your luck in the NFL because I will say there are there are players that have injury problems in college that don't have those in the NFL. I think of one in particular who had a fantastic game this last week in Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Had a huge injury problem in high school. Not not nearly the same problem in the NFL. And I don't know if it's I mean, granted, he's not playing quarterback, but he's also. I, th- I think I saw a stat that like he has twenty rushing touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns, and six catching touchdowns, and the only other player to do it is Walter Payton. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I and mean, it's one the, of those the things. The way he's like, utilized is pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know if it's that, but and that's just a little tangent on on Taysom. Did a great job. He's doing a great job for the Saints. Love what he's doing. But, I mean, I, I, I see him going like trying to shot in the NFL, but if I'm Puka, I look at the season I'm having and just being like, I should probably come back. Like, yeah, I know I have all the tools, but I still got to refine some of this stuff. Well, and hey, I'd also love to see him on a, on a fully healthy season. Yeah, and here's the thing, is that if you are not going to get drafted, you might as well just come back. Oh, it's uphill sledding. Yeah, because... Looking at the season he's had right now, there's no way he's getting drafted. Like, pretty much a 0% chance. Right. He would only be drafted off traits that he would do in, like, the combine if he got drafted. And that mm-hmm. would only be, like, a seventh-round pick. There's no way he's he's going to be a higher-round pick. And so, at this point in the season, if if you're at that point, you might as well come back. And then Gunner, he aggravated his injury again, possibly his kidney. Like, if it's going to affect you... This outside of football, you, even if you Be don't done. go to the NFL, you might as well just hang it up. Be done. It, it's it's better to just you have your health after football than where like you don't want to have to replace a kidney because of football. Right. Like that's that's a situation you don't want to be in. Um, but yeah, offense, it's just not in sync. Same story. And what's so funny is about a rod too is like. He is a good coordinator sometimes, but at some, at other times I'm like, what are we calling here? Because that goal line touchdown to Cody Epps was a great play call. Yeah, and Cody but, ran it perfectly. But then I think about that fourth down play Yeah, where they give it to Lopini, and I'm like, what is this play call? And it's not even necessarily the play call that also bothers me. It's also the personnel. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you running Lopini and not Chris Brooks in that situation if you're going to run that play? I know. It, I, I don't know if I don't know if Chris picked up a a knock or something like that right before because he he ran the third down play, mm-hmm. um, which you know I was just watching that play again. If he's able to fall for, I mean, it was a great tackle from the Notre Dame. Yeah, they played the it Notre great. Dame player just because he hit him right at his waist, but wrapped his legs, and so all Chris could do was fall to the side. He couldn't fall forward, mm-hmm. and because it was a third and two, like. He just had nowhere to go. It was a great play by by the Notre Dame player, but but yeah, and on that fourth down, it's like okay, we're gonna run something like something similar to what we just ran, but we're doing it with Peeny. And you know, I I actually I kind of understand the Peeny play call. He's really slippery. Like I wouldn't. Like, he's not fast, 
But on that third and 17, he slipped through a couple guys and somehow picked up the first down. Like, right. And so I think I, I, I do understand why Lopini's running it. What I don't understand is watching that play over and Mason Wake is lined up on the right side. And what he does is he pulls. And he's taking out that, that other guy that's coming across like from the from the left side. So he pulls all the way across. After Jaron clears out, he pulls all the way across. And it's like, okay, I understand you need to pick up that block. Uh, you need to pick up that defender. But your fullback should be busting through the hole for you. Yeah, that drives me you, nuts. You texted me and you said, power eye formation. What? And I, I am not an advocate for ever tweeting at players or coaches typically. Oh, I saw. But I tweeted I at Coach Roderick. Did. And I just tweeted him the graphic of I formation. It's not in his playbook. No, it, it's not. It, it's not whatsoever, and it's a waste. I I don't understand it. It's a well, beautiful thing, and you refuse to use it. What happened? Was it? It must have been a Grimes thing because when I was rewatching the USC game um, from a few years ago, 2019. I think that was when they came to Provo, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Like I was rewatching that game. And I remember the formation when you had Kofensis under center, Kyrus Tonga, Diane Gawoliku. Uh-huh. Like it was it was their jumbo set. Yeah. It was their power. Like if we need one yard, these guys are guaranteed we're not gonna get eighty yards. We're not gonna get twenty yards. We're not even gonna get five yards. But we're gonna get one yard. Where is that? Was the, it must have been a Grimes thing because we haven't seen that for the past season and a half. We haven't. And one thing that I was shocked to see on Saturday was a QB sneak. That, yeah. that, that's got to be the first one we've ran all season, I feel like. Yeah. If you're going to run that on on third or fourth and short, why can't you do I-formation? Or at least something, a formation where, I don't even care if it's I-formation, you can have the fullback off to the side kind of like, Mason Wake was on that fourth down play, but have him lead through the hole instead yep. of pulling. It, I I don't understand it. Yeah, they're they're short play calling, and especially on on those types of plays where Notre Dame is clearly stacking because they know you're running it. You might as well have an extra blocker in the hole. Right. They they refuse to do it and they get stopped. And another thing that was frustrating on that is throughout the like third and fourth quarter, BYU's moving the ball relatively well. But then on that drive in particular, they're moving the ball through the air. And then on second, third, and fourth down, you take the ball out of Jaron's hands. And you run three, three straight running plays, and you get stuffed. Like, why were we not throwing it at least one of those downs? I, I, I don't get it. That, that's kind of, to me, that's, that's the play calling I'm talking about with A-Rod, where I, yeah. situationally, it just confuses me sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I will say, you know, to be fair... We were running the ball a lot better this game. Yeah. So I get I get using the second down play. Or 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 the third down play. But at that point it's just like, why aren't we RPOing Jaron more? Like, why not have him roll out? If he's got the lane to get two yards, great. And if he doesn't, hopefully a, a guy's open. But yeah. it, it's it's really interesting. I I did think Jaron made some some great decisions, um, particularly in the option game. 
there was one where he faked the pitch to Chris Brooks mm-hmm. and then took off, and I thought it was a great, great play from him. Uh, and then there was one where he looked like he was about to fake it, and then he actually drew that defender right into him and then pitched it to Chris. Yeah. Like, he's starting to really figure out the option, which is great, but when we're throwing the ball well, or if one guy's catching the ball well, which was Cody Epps, why are we not running something for him? Because he proved that even if they adjusted for him, he was still going to get open. Is Cody Epps wide receiver one right now? Right now? Um... Even though Puka's on Puka's on the team, and if Chase comes back, still have Keanu. Like, is Cody Epps your wide receiver one as of right now? Oh, man, that's tough. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd really love to – I wish I had – I wish I – I kind of wish I had been at the game to be able to see what kind of defense they were running. Like, were they kind of double covering Puka? Were they, were they looking at Gunner? Like, how much of Cody's success is everyone else's downfall? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. everyone else just being covered. Right. Um, that being said, when there's three or four of them on the field at the same time, you'd think that the ball could get spread around a little bit more, but Cody's the one that's open. Yeah. And if the ball is anywhere in like – if Cody can get his hands on it, I'm pretty confident in him bringing that ball in. He's got great hands. Um, so, I mean, right now over the past – two, three weeks, I think he is your, your wide receiver one. But I'd put an asterisk on it, you know, saying that, like, I think Puka's still Puka. I, I, I do think – I don't know if it's a confidence thing right now. I did notice that his ankles were taped up, which I know he doesn't like. I don't know if that plays into it. Like, there's such weird stuff that, that some players go through that – you know what I mean? Like Yeah, like yeah, whether totally. it's whether it's superstition or whether it's just a comfort thing, like I, I, I understand it in a, in a sense. But that being said, if the ball needs to go to somewhere on third and nine, I trust Cody not only to make the catch, but to run the right route. I trust him to hit the sticks and understand the game situation. Also, going back to uh, if you take away the USF game and going from Baylor on, you're at 37.5% for a combined third and fourth down conversion rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably – I mean, that's, I, that's play calling. It really is. And I, th- I just think A-Rod, – A-Rod has, I want to say, three or four plays a game that are just called perfectly. And he mm-hmm. was setting them up the entire time. But it's the other, it's the other, you know, forty plays, fifty plays that you're running, that it's like, okay, you got to run a couple for for like setups, but why are why aren't we just like, why can't we be a little more vanilla on some of this? Well, and that's what I, on Twitter, said to somebody, and because they're like, A Rod is a mastermind. He thinks A Rod's a mastermind, but. Sometimes the play calling, like, why is the offense not as good as it can be? And so I basically said what I said, where he will have good plays, but I think in certain situations, he's just not that great of a play caller right now, and he needs to work on that. Mm-hmm. And they use that Cody Epps play on the goal line, but it's like, but this is a great play. I'm like, yeah, well, if you cherry pick 
certain play, like a few plays out of yeah. a game, there's going to be great play calls. You have to look at the total package. Right. And I would say as of right now, him and as a play caller is fairly mid <laughs> over the entire game. Which is interesting because last year you felt like he was doing really well as far as playing a pretty a, a pretty balanced game. Granted, he had Tyler Algier, and I didn't I didn't realize how important Tyler Algier was to the offense last year. Or how good I mean I, we we knew he was good. Yeah. But the drop off this year. Yeah. Because I mean preseason, we thought Chris Brooks was going to be good. We didn't think he was going to be Tyler Algier good possibly, but. There was just such a huge drop-off in the run game. I mean, Tyler Algier was going to get first downs that he shouldn't have gotten. And he breaks tackles. And he's actually faster than what it seems like. It, he, he was a really good running back. Yeah. And you can rely on him more than you needed to. Now, you don't really have that. And so what drives me nuts is, I think on third down or fourth down, depending on what you're running, and it, d- it does depend on the line to gain as well, but... You should just keep the ball in your best player's hand and trust Jaron to make a play instead of handing it off. I would feel much more comfortable if they made Jaron make the decision on third or fourth down yeah. instead of running the ball every single time. Well, that's why I say have him on an RPO or even even a uh, – oh, man, what's, what's the name of that play? The, the zone read. Have him on something like that where he can sit there and look up and be like, do I think I can beat this defender that's coming at me or is there a defender there? And just set up the blocking in a way that's just, you know, and and at that situation, Mason Wake can peel across and and try to, you know, try to take out that blocker that's that's staring at Jaron. But like, it's it's just interesting because Jaron is a great dual threat quarterback, but I feel like they're so concerned about losing him for the season that they have made him a one dimensional quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think they're they're trying to force him. I I almost want to say they're trying to force him in a box like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, he's he's got great legs, but in the NFL, really, it's it's his arm talent that everyone everyone raves about. Right. Different angles, different decisions. He's got a he's got a great arm, um, but he knows when to use his legs. And I think they're trying to force him to be like Patrick Mahomes when it's like, hold on. I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but he doesn't need to be standing in the pocket or doing all this Tom Brady type stuff. Like, like you can roll him out and he'll be okay. Like, I think play him more like a Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Baker doesn't have the most impressive arm, but he also he used his he uses his leg I don't, actually I don't know how he's doing now just because I know the Panthers are, bad. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. I know the Panthers just fired Matt Rule which congratulations to whatever college picks him up because I think he'll be I think he's a great college coach I mean he was at Baylor before Dave Aranda mm-hmm. I mean he thanked Charlie Brewer for getting him to the NFL and and so we have that in common we thanked Charlie Brewer <laughs> um but but I'd I'd love to see him utilized more like a Baker Mayfield, where it's like, yes, you are technically pass first, but you can't be afraid to use your legs, because there are times that he just he'll sit in the pocket too long, like that safety. He needs to know that that ball needs to come out faster, like that safety that they that they 
that they had in, in uh, against Notre Dame. It's just you have to know that ball needs to come out. Mm-hmm. And if it's not if, if your first decision's not there, you got to tuck it and get outside of that goal line. I don't care if I don't care if you take a loss and you're down at the one yard line. And granted, the, the safety really didn't end up meaning anything, but you you got to make a better decision on that. Yeah. And and it's just I don't know if BYU is I don't know if A Rod and Fessy are too afraid to run him. I don't know if he's too afraid to run. I don't know what it is, but it's to it's, me he plays like Zach right now, where Zach had the great arm and would run when he needed to. Yeah. But I feel like Jaron even does it less than Zach did. Yeah. And the difference is Jaron has better running capability than Zach ever had. Right. He just refuses to use it. Yeah. But to me, he's he's running the offense similar to Zach did in 2020, where he is a thre- he's a pocket-passing, throwing-first quarterback that only wants to run when he needs to. But even when he can, he still refuses to do it. Right, which and if you're gonna sit here and tell me that it's better to be a, a passing quarterback than a running quarterback, and a running quarterback's never gonna make it in the league, look at Lamar Jackson right now. Mm-hmm. The guy is is, you know, he's also trying to gain a lot of money or get a lot of money from the Ravens right now, but he is unreal to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at multiple of these quarterbacks in the league right now, like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. All of them have the capability to run, and they're good at it. And they know when but, to do it. But they also throw. They're really good passers. Yeah. There's no reason that Jaron can't play the same. Right. But maybe they are protecting their quarterback, too, because maybe they just don't trust what's behind them. They don't want him to get hurt. I, I don't know how they feel about Conover. I don't know. I, I, A-Rod should have called enough a, a good enough game against both Wyoming and Utah State that we should have been able to see him, see him already. Yeah. But that's been the frustrating part about this season. It's just... We wanted to see Conover at some point, and I fully, I fully believe in that Oregon game. There was no reason why Jaron's playing in that fourth quarter, or even on just on that last drive. Padding stats. That's, like that is the only that's reason. The only reason. Like, like especially in a hostile environment like that. Why mm-hmm. aren't you putting Conover in there to be like, look? I realize some people have left, and a lot of those people are BYU fans. <laughs> But like you guys were some of them. This is yeah, we were we were <laughs> those people. But like he needs to have that experience. Yeah, you got to see Conover at some point in the season. And I mean, depending on what you look like going into Utah Tech, like say say you rattle off four wins before Utah Tech somehow, you should just start Conover. I I I and if you if you don't have Hall play like two or three series and then get out. That's, I, I believe that Hall, in, in that Utah Tech game, Jaron needs to play the first quarter, and then that's it. Because you have that. to see. You have to start thinking about next year. You're going into the Big 12. What do you have in Conover? And what do you need to add? Because right. this quarterback room they currently have is not going to cut it. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. You got Conover, Cade Finnegan. Soljay Maiava. Soljay Maiava Peters. Bill- yeah. We're... <laughs> We're looking strong. Cole Hagen is going to be added next season. I have no idea who that is. Cole Hagen was uh, Corner Canyon's quarterback in between Zach and uh, Jackson Dart. Wow. What yeah. a stat. Yeah, he was originally committed to Yale, went on his mission, is came he, back. Is uh, Cody Hagen's brother? 
Yes, older brother. Okay. He uh, he went on a mission, came back, decommitted to Yale, and he's going to be a preferred walk-on at BYU. Wrote an article about it. Talked okay. to him. Well, there you go. Um, but, yeah, you got to figure out we have a quarterback because there's going to be some good quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Okay. And I think BYU should probably go at least over – at least at one of them, because I just you don't really know what you have in Conover. He might be and turn into a great quarterback, but even at that point, behind him, you don't know what's going to be. So you might as well go after somebody like Deacon Hill. He's somebody that he was a four star committed to Wisconsin. He just announced he's transferring. He has three years of eligibility. Go after him. You might get what's Mason Moss or whatever his name is at USC. He might transfer because Caleb Williams is going to be there for another year at least, and he probably wants to play. He's a four-star quarterback, went to USC. Like You're going to get guys that might transfer. I mean, heck, depending on how Stanford does this season, Tanner McKee might transfer. And if BYU, if BYU would be interested in that, you might look at him. I don't know. I, I, don't, just know. Think- I don't know for sure. I think Elder McKee, which you call him Tanner, um, I think – I think he's more – well, Stanford's got a good education, so right. I'm right. not going to the league. Well, anyway. well, I think he's graduating this year, Oh, technically. Well, there you go. So, I don't know. They just got to figure out quarterback-wise moving forward, and I'd love to see Conover play. But, I mean, we've talked about the offense a lot. Defensively, Holy cow. it was a lot of the same, where – even schematically, I don't think that they were as bad as they were in other games. I think a lot of it was people not getting off blocks, people not making tackles, people missing tackles. And the only thing I didn't like is that they took too long to try to double up on Michael Mayer. Jeez. I, he, <laughs> he, for the first like three drives Notre Dame had, he was the only one they were throwing to besides they made one pass to Tyree, their, their running back. Mm-hmm. It was one pass for four yards. The rest of them were eight catches for like 87 yards and two touchdowns for that dude. Yep. It, it was nuts. And I couldn't even get mad at Micah Harper because I'm watching the replays. And I'm like, Micah Harper is in perfect position. You just have like a 6'6 tight end, 6'6", 260 tight end. Micah Harper is like what five ten, like what's he supposed to do? I, right. it, it, you get beat by that once. I don't know why you're not doubling this dude. And I understand BYU's playing a lot of zone, but even playing zone, you should still be doubling that guy. And it, that was driving me nuts. Um, but I don't know defense. It's 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 such a hard thing because I say, feel like we say the same things every single week for the defense. They didn't really get a ton of pressure, which is funny because they blitzed on 40% of the plays, apparently. But it didn't feel like it because I just don't feel like Pine was really rushed that much well, to throw like the football. If, if, I feel like, sure, we're blitzing on 40% of the plays. How many of those plays are run plays that somehow we just happened to blitz on the stupid run play? Well, yeah, and how many of those plays are linebackers not getting off blocks? If You, 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 can, you can blitz, but if you get picked up, like... <laughs> That's doing nothing to the quarterback. Right. So, I, I just I think there was too much time for Pine. And not that Pine's a terrible quarterback, but I think we made him a lot, look a lot better than he is because he get, didn't get home to him. We've got a knack for that. We've got a knack of, of quarterbacks just looking great against BYU. And, and, you know, I agree with you. It's, 
just watching those replays and how many times he's got seven, eight seconds sitting in the pocket doing whatever he wants. He can scan the field two, three, four times. Like he can actually go through each progression as yeah. slow as he wants because mm-hmm. you got Tyler Batty sitting over there in coverage while three other guys rush. And it's like, what? What are we doing here? How come? Like, how come? And can we do anything but a bull rush? That's the no. only thing that no. I've ever seen. Like, I've seen one move where I, I can't remember who it was that made a swim move. And I was just like, wow, he pulled that out. But I, other than that, like, it is constant bull rush. And it's just like, I will overpower you. And it's like, no, sorry. These offensive linemen, once they realize what you're doing, like, they'll use that against you. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just, it's so frustrating watching watching this defensive line. Just, there's there's zero dynamic to it. I mean, we don't even stunt. Like, we don't, it's, it is just constant three lineup, and they just go straight. It's like, why don't we, like, pull batty once and like pull him or like see if see if the tackle will instead bite of dropping on it. him back and yeah, instead of dropping him back into coverage but like <laughs> but like pull batty or pull whoever's gonna be on there pull fisher jackson you know pull him around that defensive tackle and have him shoot up the middle instead and just try something different than what you're doing yeah it's basically they they line up where they're lining up, and there's no creativity on that front front line. Yeah, and they just go at whoever they're in front of. And yeah. there's no creativity in the swim moves. I'm I'm hoping that once they start to get some of these better defensive recruits into the fold, like Logan Fano, Ice Moa, uh, John Henry Daly, like some of the better recruits they've gotten over the past like two years, that. Maybe you start to see some more creativity on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, there's just nothing going for them. And I think that the linebackers do a tough job of – when they drop into coverage, they can be okay. But you're getting the, the quarterback so much time that if you are not 100% disciplined in your zone defense, you're going to get somebody into a soft spot and they're going to make a play. Well, even if you are disciplined, you know, like – I think there, there there might be a lack of communication that's going on too, where the DB is saying like, "Oh, this guy's coming across," but the linebacker can't hear it, because, you know, when when Pine has eight seconds to sit back there, I can't blame the secondary. Yeah, <laughs> I can't blame them. It's like because you know they talk about a coverage sack, right? As far as like, oh, well, the guy was able to sit back there for a while, but the defensive line got to him. I don't know that we got we, we have the ability to get a coverage sack unless it's against a, a like we don't have a, the ability to do it against the P five. Like we, our coverage will hold like we can actually hold for a while, but eventually the 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 quarterback's going to be like oh the D line's not coming, I can calm down and I can wait because I have chemistry with these receivers and they'll eventually break open and like I feel like. You know, you can start setting up a tent sometimes in that pocket, the way the, the defensive line goes. And Well, there's no setting the edge either. Right. I feel like the quarterback's always able to escape. Well, and as soon as one tries to set an edge, I don't know if it's the tackles are, are not as disciplined, but like, or like he's like setting it out too far. And so he just like steps up in between where mm-hmm. the end and tackle should be. He's just like, thanks, I'll just I'll slip <laughs> right here and effectively – this is my new edge. <laughs> like, right. Anyway, but it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I thought 
I thought the secondary played pretty well. Um, yeah, it did take him a while to figure out, like, hey, this big number 87 is catching the ball every He's time. He's the best tight end in the country. Yeah. Well, he, I think in that game he broke Notre Dame record. Yeah, for receptions. He's the career reception leader for tight ends at Notre Dame. Yeah, and, and he's he's projected to be a first round draft pick as a tight end. Yeah, he's a he's a great player, and you know you can't fault yourself for letting him get some catches. And, and that's why I can't fault Michael Harper because when I watch right. him coverage wise, he played it perfectly. You just I can't expect Michael Harper to make the play. He's just that much smaller on that guy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but. But yeah, as far as as far as the rest of the defense, I did I did notice the linebackers. You know, one thing that I loved about Kyle Van Noy, he was creative in, in where he blitzed from or where he came from. Like there were times that they'd be lining up and he's on the right side, and pre-snap he's moved all the way over to the left side because his football IQ is telling him they're going to be weaker on this side if this is a pass play. Mm-hmm. And if it's a run play, I'm fast enough to get, to get in down there. the line. And that's something that finally this week I saw Peely and Wilgar kind of communicate and start doing. Mm-hmm. Like there was one time um, Notre Dame was looking to snap it, and Peely was in the middle of saying something, and then Notre Dame, you know, goes up and changes the play at the line of scrimmage, and you see Peely like sitting there talking to Wilgar like. Hey, I think I'm going. I'm going to go. And like a bullet out of a gun, dude shot up, and he laid a hit on on Pine. Like, Pine got rid of it, but he laid a hit on him. And it's just because they're starting to figure out, like, okay, if he's not going to call it, but I know that this is going to be here, I'm going to take the risk. Right. Especially as a linebacker. It's like, okay, our DBs, like our, our safeties and our corners are playing well enough. They're like, yeah, they might get an extra eight yards. But that risk of me being able to even just lay a hit on him, just to let him know, like, hey, we're here, it, it's worth it. And so I think some of those linebackers are starting to kind of figure out to be a little more creative. It's just I don't think our defensive line ever will be. No. And that's what I said in in the VIP Discord for Give Him Hell Brigham, is my complaints about the defense, at least when it comes to Tuiaki, is like, you have not been able to get a scheme that has consistently worked. That's the thing. So many people were saying and arguing against me, saying that they gave the offense a chance to win the game. And I'm like, fine, sure. The offense did have a chance to win the game. But independently, you can't sit there and tell me the BYU, or the BYU defense played well. They gave up 500 yards. I don't, I, I don't want to hear the excuse like, yeah, in, in, in this circumstance, for this game, they, BYU had a chance to win, and the defense played well enough to win. I'm like, just because you had a chance to win the game doesn't mean the defense played good. Right. You, you give up 500 yards, that doesn't mean you play good. And that's, that's what it has been for the past, basically since the Baylor game. Oregon to now has been basically consistent play from the defense, but not in a positive way. Yep. And so I said with, with Tuiaki, if... The things that I'm going to complain about is the way he schemes it, but also his recruiting of how he's recruited specifically along the defensive line. And someone was like mentioning is like, well, and that's kind of why I brought up like we have these better defensive line, like Defano, Moa, and John Haley, Dunley, some other guys. You have those guys coming in as better recruits. 
I'm like, fair. But if you come in and those guys start to play and you see no changes, then that's where it's schematically just not working. Because that's, that's where, especially going into the Big 12, you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. The Big 12 is going to throw the ball all freaking day. That's yeah. just what we're signing up for when we join that conference. And the defense is going to get lit up if we can't get pressure on the quarterback. Well, I mean, what was that What was that Texas Tech-Oklahoma game back when it was Baker against Patrick Mahomes? And it right. was, you know, it was 60-something against 70-something. And it's just, I don't know, I, I – you know, I I believe that there's two guys on the on the staff that need to go, and I'm not saying that they needed like I think one of them needed to go a long time ago in Ed Lamb, and I'm not saying that like yeah I I've I've got my disagreements and and I I, I don't I don't necessarily like what Tuyaki's doing, but he's been good enough until now. We are no longer progressing with him. I think we've reached the ceiling. And we've started coming back down. Like, we're bouncing yeah. off of the ceiling. The ceiling was Baylor. Right. And now we're... Yeah. Right, and we're yeah, starting to bounce back down. It's just like, can we, get then, a, can we get a different guy in here? Because you, you look at what Kalani did with that defense at Utah. It was called Sack Lake City. Mm-hmm. How come we can't have that? That's why I wish Kalani would just take over the defense at certain points. doesn't mean he has to fire him and take it over completely. But right, he doesn't need to pull a Bronco on certain, uh, old Jaime Hill and just yeah. say, "Hey, by the way, this plane you're not getting on." Certain situations, though, there's certain games where it's like Kalani. I just feels like needs to just take it over completely. Yeah, I, I, and that's why I said like, I'll give him, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You get the better athletes in there, the better recruits in there. See how the defense plays. Sure. But if it does not change when you get the better recruits in there, that's where it's like, okay. What are you doing at this point? Yeah, we no longer have the excuse of, well, we just need the right guys. Like, you got when, when you have Fano and Isaiah Moa both playing in there, they're four-star guys, you don't really have an excuse anymore. Yep. But you mentioned Ed Lamb, so let's talk about special teams. The only bright spot about special teams still is Hobbs Nyberg. Yep. He had a great return in that game. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the, the stupidity on extra point – to not have a guy out there, you get a delayed game, and then Justin Smith misses it. And it even happened later in the game, too, yeah. where a guy had to rush on the field late for an extra point. I, I, I'm like, I is, is that on the coach? Like, I, I don't know who to blame in that scenario. Like, is a player not paying attention? Is that a coaching issue? Like, what's going on? Why is his special teams just so bad? I... I... I don't know. I wasn't even going to talk about special teams. I have my grade ready for special teams, and this was going to be this was going to be my shock for you. Okay. I'm going to give you my grade for special teams right now. Fair. And until I see a good special team showing, they have an F. I I like okay. what Hobbs Nyberg's doing. Yeah. And sure. I sure if you want me to exempt him, sure. But the rest of them, they get an F until they can show me that they can figure out a game. They're going to have a – it's going to be an F for every week yeah. because I'm sick of Fair. I'm sick of looking for positives. I shouldn't have to look for positives when it comes to special teams. Oh, you should have heard the cheer in the stadium whenever Justin Smith made that second extra when point. When he actually made the, the extra point? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was, it was like, pretty it's, funny. It's just it's, – it's one of those things where we're halfway through the season and we haven't figured this out. Uh-huh. 
we're still trotting out, oh, is it going to be Justin? Is it going to be Jake? Is it going to be Justin? Is it going to be Jake? I understand that I understand that Jake has missed some field goals. Has he missed a PAT this year? Uh, yes. He did. Oh, did he? I think. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty oh, was sure. it one that we got backed up, though? Yeah. I think it was when we got a 15-yard penalty. We did, yeah. So... I it mean, was, that one's basically like a field wasn't goal. It, wasn't you know, it the, mentally, it's gone. Was it the gritty? Was it the gritty? Yeah. I think it was the gritty. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to – that that went into field goal range, and with Jake kicking a field goal, obviously we were going to miss it. <laughs> but, yeah. But, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, how come we can't figure this oh, out? Oh, wait, no, he's, actually, he's, he's 100% on the extra points. I he is. Wrong. That was on the kickoff. That's the kickoff that oh, went out of bounds. Oh, that's right. Because he just tried to kick the heck out of it. And Justin, missed, he, he's missed two? Uh, yes, yes. Why are we still trotting him out there? I don't know. Good good question. Hey, he's one for one on field goals. Trot him out there for field goals for all I care. I'll I just never kick a field goal again. I mean, whatever we need to do. I don't care at this point. But like I said, until they can show me that they're going to be okay in special teams – which is an area that I never thought I'd have to worry about. Mm-hmm. They're getting an F, and I'm already gonna I'm gonna pre give them an F for Arkansas, <laughs> for Liberty, for ECU, for Utah Tech, and for Stanford. Now this is Hobbs exempt, and right? and Boise. Yeah, no Hobbs. Say say Hobbs, Hobbs returns a touch like a punt for a touchdown. Special teams is still getting an F, but Hobbs gets an A. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like okay. Hobbs, Hobbs gets an A minus for this because of that that punt return that he had. It's probably one of the best punt returns BYU's had in years. Yeah, I mean the the only one I can think of that rivals it was uh, Gary Jurgens against Cincinnati. Ooh, when was that? Two thousand twelve, uh, or was it fifteen? No, I believe that was twelve. I think we played Cincinnati in 12. or eleven. I don't. I it probably was. It was. It was somewhere in there. Yeah. I remember being in the stadium, so I knew it wasn't 13 or 14. Right. Um, but that's the only time I can think of like a decent punt return. And <laughs> and the fact that he did that, it actually sparked that touchdown. Uh-huh. And we have this momentum, and Justice Smith trots his butt out there, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to kill the momentum right here. And he just misses the extra point. What was funny, though, is I texted you, and I'm like, my prediction is correct. <laughs> they yeah. missed the extra point. They're no, on yeah. pace for 34 when, points. When you said that, I was like, or when, when that happened, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> He's going to squeak this out somehow. Oh, oh that would have been great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't fault you for giving them an F. Special teams have been so bad. I, I'm just going to continue to at least put Hobbs in there a little bit and put it at a D-. minus. But Hobbs, like like I said, he gets like an A, like an A minus, whatever. Yeah, no, like I said, he's, he's mine, been great as a returner. Mine is an F with an asterisk, excluding Hobbs Nyberg. <laughs> Exclude. There you go. There you go. Uh, defensively, uh, it's 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 so it's so sad to like grade the same way every week. I feel like because mm-hmm. I'm giving them like a C. Sure. Just. There's just a very average defense, offensive performance. I feel like they played better in the second half, which it seems like that's the trend. Yeah. I don't know why you can't figure it out on the side. It's not, it's not like Tuiaki's up in the booth. Why can't you make adjustments on the sideline? Is he not in the booth? I thought I, he was. I don't think he was in the booth. Maybe he is. I thought he was on the field. Even then, 
They have these wonderful things called phones that go straight down. Well, and they have a wonderful thing called Kalani Sataki, who's a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. Why can't you figure something out? Like, I understand giving the responsibilities to your coordinators. But at a certain point, you just need to take the reins and be like, make these adjustments. Yeah. But I'm giving them a C. Because, sure, they figure it out in the second half. They don't get a good enough start in the first half. Um and I think at times they're still too too soft, missing tackles. Then they 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 can they refuse to bring a guy down after first contact. Yeah, it drives me nuts. So yeah, C performance I guess. Yeah, no, I I, I I'll give them a C as well. I I think I think the DBs played as well as they could. I think linebackers are starting to kind of figure out that like, well, if Tuiaki's not going to call some of this, I'm going to get a little more creative, you know. Um, but my biggest criticism comes with the defensive line. Um, I I couldn't tell you the last defensive lineman that I felt confident in after Jan Jorgensen, quite honestly. Even Bronson had his ups and downs. Corbin had his ups and downs. And they're all Kafusis. Like what about Kyrus Tonga? Kyrus was great, but I, I thought he was great for what he was. Oh, it's tough to judge a nose tackle. Oh, right. That's the problem, right? Is like when you're when you're talking about the nose tackle, or you're talking about like the the interior defensive lineman. Their job is really clog it up, clog it. That, yeah, that's, like on, that's what on, he does on the run. It's just like yes, be there, so he has to go around you. And on the pass, it's like we're not really expecting you to get the sack, but like if you can, we're all for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's it's about those edge rushers that are supposed to be able to get in there, and I mean that's why that's why both TJ and JJ Watt they're edge rushers. They're not in, like even though they're built like they could play interior defensive linemen. Yeah, like what's so funny is that this this defense I it doesn't even feel like we have edge rushers. Right. <laughs> even when we're rushing four, we've technically got two outside guys, but they're essentially just kind of standing there. Yeah, they're not getting any pressure. Yeah, I know, and and like they're all acting like interior defensive linemen. Mm. Um, all right. Anyway, offensively, this is probably gonna be my lowest grade of the season so far. Um, even though I think they did, I think Chris Brooks did play pretty well. Um, this is gonna be my lowest grade. I'm probably, I think I'm gonna give him a C. And the problem, like the the biggest reason. Yeah, so this is a CC and an F. <laughs> um, I mean, watching the game, it's but like you, not just, hard you, to do you just watch this performance from BYU, and it was so average. You have this performance against against uh, Mountain West opponents, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You have this. You have this against P five equivalent, and yeah, you're not gonna win. If we have this against Arkansas this week, we're gonna lose again. And it's just it's, and I even think some 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 of your top G fives are are gonna beat you too. Like Boise, if if Boise has figured out who they are, they'll beat us if we play like this. Liberty, that that game seems tough. Yeah, and it's just I'm I'm giving him a C just because it was it was just average. I I I haven't seen the fight in him since Baylor. I haven't seen that. That big fight in them, like mm-hmm. I remember it in that Baylor game, every defensive possession, you look down at the sideline and they are all just amped. They're throwing towels, like you know, they're waving towels and they're just trying to get the whole crowd into it. 
and we haven't seen that. And I understand it's not a sexy game like Baylor, but it's still Wyoming. It's still Utah State, and we still like if we did that against Baylor, we should be able to rattle the heck out of those guys. So yeah, yeah. I just I, I I'm gonna go with a, a nice average C. I'll give him a C plus because while it was probably Jaron's worst game, pass pro was not that great. And overall, the receivers weren't that great. Cody Epps had a great game. And then something that I love to see is that they finally figured out the running game a little bit. Yep. So that's why I'm giving them a C plus because I, I, I think that they will find their footing in their pass protection easier than trying to figure out the run game up to this point. And the fact that we were able to see that progress a little bit, I mean – I think Chris Brooks was averaging around like 5.6, 5.8 yards a carry. Lupini was like six yards a carry. I, I I think that that was a good sign to see moving forward, and maybe they grow on that. Well, and you were um, missing one of your running backs. You were missing one of the guys that had shown that that he looked pretty good over the past couple of weeks in Miles yeah, Davis. Yeah, and then freaking Hinkley Ropati got a carry. <laughs> yeah, him getting thrown in there. I was really confused well, until we, I realized that Miles Davis was out because. Uh-huh. I see the guy running it, and I see him cough up the ball, and we fortunately we fell on it. Yeah. But I'm like, who on earth is? There's no way they're putting Ropati out there. And sure enough. Well, I'm just confused. Like you're telling me, like like Brooks and Lopini couldn't go for that carry. Right. Like what's what's going on I, that we're actually putting him know. in the game? I don't know. I don't know if Kalani like just told him, pulled him into his office and just said. All right, Hinkley, I know you're disappointed because you haven't really played that much other than special teams. We're going to give you a carry against Notre Dame. Is that is that all that happened? He's just like, I know you're disappointed. I don't want you to leave, so here you go. Here's a carry. I don't know. It seemed odd. It was I, I got to imagine my dad's reaction was pretty good. To oh, just yeah. like, who is that? Him and Colton were just like, like they're putting Ropati in. Like, yeah. really? Well, it, it, it honestly, it reminded me of the 15 bowl game against Utah. When Squally Canada, since he had transferred in from Washington State, he wasn't able to play, but then the bowl game, he got the the, the exemption because it's not technically NCAA or something like mm-hmm. that, right? He comes in, one carry, puts it on the ground, Utah recovers, and he's never seen again. <laughs> That's what yep. it felt like, honestly. It's just like, yeah, that was a fun experiment. You can go sit on the bench. <laughs> Pretty much. And I feel like Hinkley's going to get the same thing where it's just like, you know, you tried uh, Utah Tech. Look forward to that game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. But, all right, so you, you gave a C, a C plus, and what did you give D on? D minus. A D minus, that's right. Better than my, you're more optimistic than my F. And the fact that I've already, I've filled that column well, that's out. Well, just, the only difference between you and I is it's I'm Hobbs. including yeah. Hobbs. You're that's exempting true. Hobbs. That's true. <laughs> Alright. But yeah, I mean let's let's put that Notre Dame game behind us. Let's let's just it was a, it. it was a totally mid average game. We should be playing better. And I tell you what, if we play that way against Arkansas, this is not gonna go well. No, especially because KJ Jefferson is planning on being back for this game. Uh-huh. So they get their quarterback back. And something that I've looked up, I think Arkansas is number two in the country in rushing attempts per game. They oh, average 49.2. Well, I know the head coach is an old uh, offensive line guy, right? 
Yeah. So, so he prides himself on that. Yeah, I, I looked, and they averaged 49.2 attempts per game for something like 230-some-odd yards per game. Well, and some of that is K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, which could probably give BYU some fits because they can't contain a quarterback to save their life. Oh, uh, we've got speed. Don't worry. We've, we've got speed. We've got that SEC speed. Don't worry. we got J- Gabe Judy Lally out there. We'll be fine. Dude, I, I, here's the thing. I'm not worried about Gabe Judy Lally. I'm not worried I'm not about worried Caleb about Hayes. I'm not worried about – the guy I'm worried about is what's-his-name Gagnier that on on one of the Notre Dame touchdowns. Sam Gagnier? <laughs> whatever, whatever his name is. But the fact that I saw him just flat-footed, kind of like backing up, kind of looking at him, he starts turning his body and realizes that Myers is going to the other way. And so he, instead of just like continuing his turn and just getting to the other side, now nah, he decides, you know what? I'm going to swing the complete opposite <laughs> way and I'm going to start running the other. And it's just like, okay, he's already gone and he's uh-huh. between you and the safety at this point. Right. He's the guy I'm worried about. Right. Right. I'm not worried about the secondary except for him. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely worried about the run defense in this game. And it seems like second half of the game, they always figure it out to make the team average like two yards a carry. Yeah. But I'm afraid that if you, especially if the offense isn't playing well, you're not keeping up, you might be too far gone at that point. Yeah. If you're waiting till the second half. Um, but at the same turn, hopefully Jaron is a little more healthy and the offense is clicking a little more because the defense for – or, or for Arkansas, they let up a lot of passing yards per game as well, mm. like 300-something per game. Um, Which BYU has, has averaged, right? Around right. 300, I mean, other than last week. But, but yeah, I mean, this should be – this should be – if we're going to get into a, a shootout, we should be able to score quick on, uh, like, passing the ball. The only, the only worry I have is with them rushing the ball so much – is how tired is our defense going to get? You know, like, and and if we if we figured out our rushing game, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, but and what, what concerns me as well is time of possession has been a big thing against BYU this season, mm-hmm. especially the past four games. They have basically been doubled in time of possession for yeah. all their games. And if Arkansas is going to run the ball and hold on to the ball, you better capitalize on every single offensive opportunity that you get. Because you might just shoot yourself in the foot and get behind too early. You know, I like Rico. I don't want to see him in this game. <laughs> I also don't want to see a kicker in this game, at least kicking a field goal. Well, that's what I mean is Rico's the holder. I don't want to see him in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except want... for extra points. No, I, I mean, yeah, go for, sure. Go for two. Go for... <laughs> I don't know at this point. Like I said, it's Depends an F. Who's kicking the I've, already, I've already given the grade. It's an F. So. I, well, yeah, and, and listen, I already have my score, and I made sure that there's no field goals being kicked. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I'm not going to get a fluky where they're going to miss the extra point, and then I still have a chance to get my score. That's fair. Uh, no, I I just I think this game is going to be a shootout on Saturday. Um, I think that the, the offense, especially playing at home, I feel like they're going to figure it out because they, they, they kind of have to at this point. The play calling is what has been so poor, at, especially like at home against like Wyoming and Utah State. Like, How is it not better? I know. How are you not performing better? 
And I think one thing that I've noticed about the offense is, and, and this is purely speculation on my part, just thinking and not actually reviewing film or anything, I feel like the offense runs better when they're running tempo. And whenever they are up to the ball quick and you're basically not allowing it to get to third down. Yeah, well, I, 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 I've noticed it's, you know, the first three plays take however long you want, but right when you get that first down, jump on it. I want, I want a quick first down play every time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially, like, say, you, say you're, you know, you've gone first, second, third, first, second, third, and you're jumping right on that first down, Arkansas is going to want to sub some guys off. And it's like, okay, if we're smart enough about this, don't sub players off. Arkansas is going to get caught, you know. And 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 I agree with you. I I do think some of the up tempo, um, right after getting a first down has been great for BYU. They start catching people off I guard. Mean, part of me thinks it's a Rod can't overthink himself. He's just calling a play, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, yeah. And or maybe it's like Jaron's going to call it himself. He's just like, you know what? I think I can do this. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I agree. I think I think some of the up tempo. I uh, unfortunately I don't agree with you that I I think it's going to be a shootout. I right when the you know right when right when they put out the game time, I tweeted out because you had, you had mentioned it, and I was just like death. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. A one thirty game to me, absolute death. Mm-hmm. And and you and know Liberty's also one thirty Mountain Time, three right. thirty Eastern Time, and so you know that's it's. Great. It's really bad when when BYU players are coming out and saying, like, oh, well, it kind of messes with our schedule. And it's like, how can you not adapt? Yeah, and apparently they're altering that this week. Are they? Yeah, they are. Apparently Ben Bywater said on the Kalani Sataki show that they're starting their their morning lifts earlier at, like, 7.45 in the morning to get, like, the blood pumping and everything like that. So they're more... I guess energized come game time. Those earlier in the day, I'm like, why have you never done anything like this sooner? Yeah, is because this the, is this the first time we've ever tried since, this since 2019? You are, and it doesn't matter what time zone, as long as the game is played at 6 p.m. or later, you're 24 and one. You are 9 11, 9 and 11, whenever it's before 6 p.m. You're telling me in for, for four years you haven't tried this? Yeah, done it's, anything? It's it's just one of those things that. You know, I I love the day games. I love sitting out in the sun and and in, especially in the weather like it is right now. Oh man, it's oh, yeah. great. It's football weather. Yeah, it's great. Um, but I will like I personally I will take the cold night game if it means the team's going to be freaking ready. Yeah, especially in Provo. But like the last like, the, the the last two games that I really think of like Power Five in Provo in an early game, I think of Wisconsin. And I think of um, Washington uh-huh. coming into pro, and it's just like those were both games that I absolutely hated. Well, and and that's something where I I thought back to because they're they're wearing those painted uh, helmets this week, yeah. with the cougar and the mountain on, which them. I think look great. And um, I, mean, I do cool. I do agree I, with you. The stretch Y maybe could come off. I mean, it feels a little Steelers ish. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Having it on the one side. Having just on the one side. It just, it, it just looked awkward to me. I, I finally learned why the Steelers only have it on the one side. Oh, you learned it. Yeah, yeah the fact that they didn't want to pay for two stickers yep. on the helmet, and, and then it became a staple. <laughs> then now that's like, no, we will never put one on the other side. Yep. Nope, absolutely. That's and amazing. So, so in their throwbacks as well, 
the Steelers logo was never on the jersey. They is now, <laughs> but if when they wear their block lettered like throwback jersey, the Steelers logo isn't on there because they also didn't put it on the jersey. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I. So with this helmet, immediately when I saw that they okay they're they're wearing like a unique uniform against a power five opponent in an oh, afternoon yeah. game, my mind immediately went to Washington in 2019, and I'm like, oh no, sure, because like, that, that was where we we wore that throwback with the that that I don't even know what, what Y you call that. It almost kind of looked like a Yale Y. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like the the uniform looked cool, but and I know objectively, uniform has nothing to do with the out outcome of the game. No, it definitely does superstitiously. Oh yeah, and that's how I feel too. I I I knew deep down in my soul the reason BYU did not beat Notre Dame is because I didn't wear my lucky shirt. I have a shirt that I've only worn to a game or or during not to a game during a game four times. It was against. Um, USC in 2019, um, Baylor this year, Utah last year, and Wisconsin 2018. Jeez. I've only worn it during the game for those four games. And you weren't even there for two of them. You just wore it during the game. I just wore it during the game. Like for USC and uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. you weren't there. USC, I was in my basement. Wisconsin, I was at a Yankee game. You were at the Yankees game? I was at at Yankee Stadium, yep. But I was wearing a BYU shirt. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that, that's, that's kind of like where I'm at is like, I know when I think about it, I have no outcome on this game by what I wear, but deep down in my soul, if I wore that shirt, I think they win. Oh, well, I'll tell you what I, it's, you know, uh, last year against Arizona, there was a time, you know, cause we're sitting amongst all the students cause my brother hooked us up with student tickets and everything. And we're all sitting there. You know, standing, enjoying the game. Me and Colton sat down because we couldn't handle some of it. And all of a sudden, BYU makes a positive play. So we stand back up, and they have a negative play. We sit back down, they have a positive play. And both of us just went like, they're doing better with me sitting. Like, I Uh I don't care that I can't watch the game right now. Like, they're doing better with me sitting. And so I'll sit at these games, and I'll be like, okay, how am I putting my hands up to my face? Am I folding my arms? What am I doing here? I'm so superstitious, even though I know that it has nothing to do with their play on the field. But I also know that out of the 64,000 people there, there's probably 500 to 1,000 people doing the exact same thing as me. For sure. Standing there going like, did I have, which finger was it? Was it, did I have both fingers up? Uh Was I covering my mouth? How was I doing this? Yeah, no, and I'm thinking back to the Utah game last year. So I noticed what I was doing. I didn't even think about what I was doing at first until I realized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. While the offense was on the field, I took my phone out of my pocket and I just held it in my hands. And I had it. So I would scroll back from texting certain people and Twitter. And I would have it on texting people while the offense is on the field. When the defense was on the field, I switched it to Twitter, closed my phone, put it back in my pocket. And I had my arm. <laughs> I, was, I was basically crossing my arm. But I had my finger on my right hand, my index finger, and I was chewing on my finger the entire time. And I bruised my my nail on my finger because I was so nervous during that game that oh, I was just chewing on my finger. And I didn't even realize it at first until I noticed my finger was sore. And I noticed I was doing that every single possession, you know, just switching back and forth. When we're out of the season, we're going to have to do 
like a superstitions episode. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to because, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's times I can tell you multiple times during the game that I will have some sort of superstition. And here's the thing. It's not all of my sports teams. It is purely BYU football. Oh, yeah. I don't have a superstition for any of the Exactly. <laughs> right. And you follow you follow Pittsburgh sports pretty pretty religiously. Uh-huh. But, like, yeah. If I'm watching a Colts game, if I'm watching a Yankees game, if I'm watching a Golden Knights game, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. But, yeah. like, a BYU football game, I don't know if it's just because I've invested so much of my life into it that I feel like I should be able to pull out an outcome based on what I am doing. I don't know. You know that now that I think about it. So the only time, two things. The only time I ever had a superstition for a Pittsburgh team. This is back. one this is one great tangent by the way. I'm yeah, actually really loving this. So it's fine. 2016. No one's listening at this point anyway. <laughs> it's just my dad. Hi Carrie. <laughs> I guess that's it. 2016 and 2017. The Penguins are in the playoffs. They win the Stanley Cup back-to-back. I wore the same yellow shirt for all the home games because I was at every home game except for the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. I went to every single home playoff game in both of those runs. I actually didn't miss a playoff game from 2016 to 2019 besides the Stanley Cup Finals because I'm not paying for $2,000 a ticket. Right. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, that that was the only time I can remember being superstitious about it. But besides that, like, I don't think about what I'm wearing typically. Like, I'll, I mean, I'll think about what I'm wearing, but not in a superstitious way. Just uh-huh. like what I want to wear. But same thing with like Steelers and then Pirates. Who even freaking cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even all my jerseys I have for Pirates. No one's even on the team anymore. So. It is what it is. There was actually a time, since we're on this tangent, I'll, I'll just keep going. Yeah. We're actually, there was actually a time where I bought like five jerseys in a row and something happened in a negative way to each player that I bought their jersey <laughs> of. So the first one was in 2015, I bought a Jung Ho Gong jersey. Okay. And in July or early August, um, I forget the player from the Cubs, but he slid into second, but not really into second, into him. Javier and Baez. It wasn't Javi Baez. Okay. No, I'm no, no. Curious. So He's... Gung was a player covering second on a double play. And the ball was being thrown no, back. No, no. I, I, I was just thinking oh, yeah. of a Cubs player. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, it wasn't, it wasn't Javi Baez. I forget who it was, but they, like, lifted their leg and hit it directly into his leg, and it cracked the bone right. under his knee. He was out for the rest of the season. So that was the start of it. And then I bought a Gregory Polanco jersey. Shortly after I bought that jersey, he slides into second base, dislocates his shoulder, and tears something in it. Uh, um, And then I bought a Jameson Tyon jersey. And literally like two weeks later, he gets diagnosed with testicular cancer. Oh, my goodness. And then I bought a Starling Marte jersey. Dominican Republic jersey. Man, I'm glad I don't have a jersey. Yeah, I, don't I, want bought, a, I bought a Starling Marte jersey. A week later, he gets popped for PEDs. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was like a notorious run of yeah. just every single player I was buying, something happened. Jeez. But, yeah. No, and now that I'm thinking about it, before the Baylor game, I only had a burger at your dad's tailgate. 
The Utah State and, and Wyoming game, and I had, had a, burger a burger and a hot, and a hot dog. dog. So now I'm going to have a burger on Saturday. <laughs> and I'm going to see if it makes a difference. Well, hey, for me, a win's a win. So I'll probably uh, we'll see how we'll see how hungry I am. <laughs> Normally, it's at the end of the it's at the end of the towards the end of the day, and it's like yeah, I need both. But yeah, but you know, it's we'll it, I mean, the tail, tailgate's probably going to start around like eleven something. So my dad might not even do burgers because sometimes he'll do um, he'll either do like pulled pork or I mean, back when we had like a. I think we had a ten o'clock game one time. And we did like breakfast burritos. It was, for, it was honestly, it was, it was fantastic. It's like yeah. something a little different. This is nice. Well, if we do have burgers and hot dogs, I'm just going to have a burger and <laughs> just a see burger. what happens. <laughs> it's also going to be a whiteout, so I, I normally always wear royal to every game, yep. but it's whiteout. So now I have to figure out what white shirt I'm going to wear. Yeah, you're making it hard, BYU. Yeah, Although yeah. at least if they're doing a total out, they're they're doing it at home instead of like the blackout they tried to do in Vegas. Oh, that was awful. I mean, it, it was literally just to sell merchandise. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. But it was so funny because I would say the split was probably sixty forty or sixty five thirty five royal still. You you should have just told them to wear royal. Honestly, well, I think royal travels better. Here's the thing: if you were gonna tell people to wear black. You should have made the announcement like a month before the game. Sure. Because you made the announcement on Wednesday and then told people to wear black, or, or Monday, told people to wear black. By the time they buy stuff, because not everybody lives in BYU and can get to the BYU store on campus. By the time they get it shipped to them, like they're not going to get the black gear in time to go to the game too. Yep. So it was, it was just dumb. I understand well, they wanted we were... to wait for the reveal of the jersey, but... That schematically it didn't work out. Yeah, because we were in Denver, um, going to the Thursday night football game, and and my dad was just like, "Well, let's drop by a Costco and couldn't find a black shirt." He said, "Let's drop by a Sam's Club, couldn't find a black shirt," and just because he was looking for a black shirt for the game, and yeah, he wore one. Yeah, he ended up he ended up getting one somewhere. I don't know where it came from, but but it's just one of those things where it's just like, how can we just not figure this out, BYU? Like right. Make the same reveal, but do it even just do it a week before. Yeah, do it do it before the Utah State game. Like, yeah, yeah. That, I think that was just a mistake on their part. And like the easiest thing about a whiteout is most BYU fans going to have a white BYU shirt anyway. Yeah. They're not going to buy one. Yeah, or if they are, I mean, it's at home, so most of you are here. Just drop by the drop by the BYU store. Yeah, I I, brought, I wore the black game day shirt. And originally I wasn't going to. I was going to wear my like quote unquote lucky shirt, and then I would be the only one that wasn't wearing it, and I didn't want to be that guy out of the group. And so I'm right. like, fine, I'll match with the rest of you. Right. But that's why we lost. I'm not all matchy matchy. I'm I'm holding I'm holding it to it. That's why we lost the game. <laughs> that's, that's why you, we lost the game. All right, let's get into a prediction here. This has gone this has gone way too long. We've got too many tangents going on. What do you got prediction wise for this Arkansas game? I don't think you're gonna like my prediction, but I mean I'm gonna say the game's at one thirty. I hate that. Yep. But I'm not gonna go against my original prediction on the season and say that they're gonna lose this game like I did to Bernard Dame because that didn't work out. <laughs> um so I'm still going to predict a BYU win, and I'm going to predict a kind of a shootout win. And I told you the score is going to be no field goals. Nice. I don't know who's going to be kicking the extra points, but they're they're going to get to 42 points. 
and I'm going to have them winning 42 to 38. 42 38. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I've got the same score as far as uh, the top score. I've got 42. But I've got 42 17. And I think the Razorbacks are going to kick the crap out of us. There's and, a good possibility. And here's the thing. I, if this is an 8-15 game and we can do this wide out, which would look freaking awesome. Because say what you will, I know you're not a Penn State fan, but their wide out looks so good every year. Yeah, I agree. I, whether you like the team or not, like their, their wide out looks great. Yeah, and I mean... And I'd love having 105,000 people in the stadium helps too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and but like I feel like you could do something similar at BYU. The problem is it's that 130 game. I I don't trust the Cougars. I don't care that they're changing their routine. And if I predict a 40 42 to 17, no, sorry. 45-14. That's what I meant. Okay. I I added the field goal on the wrong side. <laughs> Okay. I was like, you're having the kick yeah, of no. <laughs> no. Uh yeah, but forty five forty five fourteen. Um I just I think it's one of those games that it gets well out of hand, um and and BYU really just isn't able to recover. They're they're just look they look too slow, too lethargic and I think KJ Jefferson is just gonna torch BYU. That's unfortunate, but very realistic. Yeah, but like I mean, here's the thing. I know I said Arkansas was going to win this game um, preseason, but I just I unless unless these players can get up for the game, which hey, you know, I found out I found out how to record on my phone like straight to anchor, and maybe if I watch like if I get to halftime, I might jump on there and record a little note just saying, hey, I apologize. I was wrong. I, I'm happy to do that. But I just I, I don't think these guys are going to be ready for this. I, I really don't. I think I think if there was a bye week in between, I would feel a little differently. But with with it being such a, you know, 10 games rattled off in a row, I think these guys are just, I, I just don't think they're going to be ready. Which brings me to my last point on this show, and something that we brought up before we started recording, is that I think there is a path to either... If you told me that BYU wins out the rest of the way, I could see a realistic way that happens. Like, if they play to the best of their ability in this game, and with Boise State, Liberty, like, I can see how that could happen. But if you tell me they're going to go 2-4 and the rest of the way, and finish the season 6-6, and I can easily also see that, which is very disappointing because when you think about it, I could see a way they lose on Saturday. I see a way they lose at Liberty. Same thing with at Boise State, and then they figure out how to lose at Stanford. You win against East Carolina and Utah Tech, you end the season 6-6. Six and six. I mean, what a disappointment that would be. Yeah. I know, and, and I mean, it's, very, it's a very real possibility. I mean... I think the realistic expectations for this point team at this point are like eight and four. Yeah, I think having a, having an identical four and two along the way, and I think you know if you if you shock Arkansas, but then lose to Liberty and lose to Boise, 
and, and find a way to do that because I didn't know this. Did you know that opposing fans and teams call Stanford's stadium the library? Really? Because there's so few people there yeah. that it's so quiet. No, that makes it's sense. like a library. That makes sense. Which I thought was I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, that's 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 awesome. I love that they're calling it the library. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I I think. I think eight and four, seven and five is is realistic for for what we're looking at, which is crazy because if you were to ask me after that Baylor game, I thought ten and two was easily achievable, mm-hmm. easily achievable. But they've just they've it's it's so sad to see the the defense stall out in progress and see the offense progressively get worse yeah and and hopefully we can figure it out um i think there is a path to figure it out but we got to see it on saturday yeah and a lot of that might depend on what what arkansas's mindset is going into this game because they've lost three straight are they going to be ticked and coming out strong or are they going to be tired from three straight losses against power five teams in the sec and then they they have to travel across the country, and they are they just going to kind of pack it in and roll over? I don't know. I'm hoping for the latter. <laughs> same, same. If they come out angry, BYU probably won't be able to match it. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. I, I don't think I have any more thoughts. I don't. At least nothing constructive. <laughs> nothing that's worth saying on here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. All right, we'll wrap it up, and uh, we want to thank everybody for for listening. Uh, join the college pickums. Uh, me and Tyler are the only ones that pick on that every week. Um, but hey, you know, you know, if you if you make third place, maybe I'll send you a little bit of money. <laughs> just just to <laughs> there see. There you go. We're gonna see who's listening and who's gonna come badgering me for money later. It's gonna be it's gonna be my dad. <laughs> It'll be. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be your dad or it'll be my buddy from work tanner and yeah i don't know i don't care at this point like when it's only me and you it's like why did i invite everybody else to do this <laughs> especially your brothers what are they doing uh, I, I don't know <laughs> they're busy everyone's busy i get it but uh, it doesn't take much I, much it doesn't do take it. a lot to <laughs> basically click Hey, I gotta stop. I can't throw people under the bus. This is horrible. But okay, well, they're not my brothers, so I can't. They're <laughs> yeah. they're only my cousins, not my brothers. You 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 just have to click ten things. It's <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, so join that if you'd like, um, and we will catch you next week. Yeah.